Question 36, Part 2 of Summa Theologica Tertia Pars, Treatise on the Saviour. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Summa Theologica Tertia Pars, Treatise on the Saviour, by St. Thomas Aquinas. Translated by the Fathers of the English Dominican Province. Question 36 of the Manifestation of the Newly Born Christ in Eight Articles, Part 2, Articles 5 through 8. Fifth Article Whether Christ's Birth Should Have Been Manifested by Means of the Angels and the Star. Objection 1 it would seem that Christ's birth should not have been manifested by means of the angels. For angels are spiritual substances, according to Psalm 103, verse 4, who maketh his angels spirits. But Christ's birth was in the flesh, and not in his spiritual substance. Therefore, it should not have been manifested by means of angels. Objection to further the righteous are more akin to the angels than to any other according to psalm thirty three verse eight the angel of the lord shall encamp round about them that fear him and shall deliver them but christ's birth was not announced to the righteous notably simeon and anna through the angels therefore neither should it have been announced to the shepherds by means of the angels objection three further it seems that neither ought it to have been announced to the magi by means of the star for this seems to favor the error of those who think that man's birth is influenced by the stars but occasions of sin should be taken away from man therefore it was not fitting that christ's birth should be announced by a star objection for further a sign should be certain in order that something be made known thereby but a star does not seem to be a certain sign of christ's birth therefore christ's birth was not suitably announced by a star on the contrary it is written in deuteronomy thirty two verse four the works of god are perfect but this manifestation is the work of god therefore it was accomplished by means of suitable signs. I answer that, as knowledge is imparted through a syllogism from something which we know better, so knowledge given by signs must be conveyed through things which are familiar to those to whom the knowledge is imparted. Now it is clear that the righteous have, through the spirit of prophecy, a certain familiarity with the interior instinct of the Holy Ghost and are wont to be taught thereby, without the guidance of sensible signs. Whereas others, occupied with material things, are led through the domain of the senses to that of the intellect. The Jews, however, were accustomed to receive divine answers through the angels, through whom they also received the law, according to Acts 7, verse 53. You have received the law by the disposition of angels. And the Gentiles, especially astrologers, were wont to observe the course of the stars. And therefore Christ's birth was made known to the righteous, notably Simeon and Anna, 
by the interior instinct of the Holy Ghost, according to Luke 2.26. He had received an answer from the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Christ of the Lord. But to the shepherds and magi, as being occupied with material things, Christ's birth was made known by means of visible apparitions. And since this birth was not only earthly, but also in a way heavenly, to both shepherds and magi it is revealed through heavenly signs. For as Augustine says in a sermon on the Epiphany, the angels inhabit and the stars adorn the heavens. By both, therefore, do the heavens show forth the glory of God. Moreover, it was not without reason that Christ's birth was made known by means of angels. Whereas it was revealed by means of a star to the Magi, who were wont to consider the heavenly bodies. Because, as Chrysostom says in a homily on the Gospel of Matthew, our Lord deigned to call them through things to which they were accustomed. There is also another reason. For, as Gregory says in a homily on the same Gospel, to the Jews, as rational beings, it was fitting that a rational animal, notably an angel, should preach, whereas the Gentiles, who were unable to come to the knowledge of God through the reason, were led to God not by words but by signs. And as our Lord, when he was able to speak, was announced by heralds who spoke, so before he could speak he was manifested by speechless elements. Again, there is yet another reason. For as Augustine says in a sermon on the Epiphany, to Abraham was promised an innumerable progeny, begotten not of carnal propagation, but of the fruitfulness of faith. For this reason it is compared to the multitude of stars, that a heavenly progeny might be hoped for. Wherefore the Gentiles, who are thus designated by the stars, are by the rising of a new star stimulated to seek Christ, through whom they are made the seed of Abraham. Reply to Objection 1. That which of itself is hidden needs to be manifested, but not that which is in itself manifest. Now the flesh of him who was born was manifest, whereas the Godhead was hidden. And therefore it was fitting that this birth should be made known by angels who are the ministers of God. Wherefore also a certain brightness accompanied the angelic apparition, as mentioned in Luke 2.9, to indicate that he who was just born was the brightness of the Father's glory. Reply to Objection 2. The righteous did not need the visible apparition of the angel. On account of their perfection, the interior instinct of the Holy Ghost was enough for them. Reply to Objection 3. The star which manifested Christ's birth removed all occasion of error. For as Augustine says in his letter against Faustus, no astrologer has ever so far connected the stars with man's fate at the time of his birth as to assert that one of the stars, at the birth of any man, left its orbit and made its way to him who was just born. As happened, in the case of the star which made known the birth of Christ. Consequently, this does not corroborate the error of those who think there is a connection between man's birth and the course of the stars, for they do not hold that the course of the stars can be changed at a man's birth. Reply to 
In the same sense, Chrysostom says in a homily on the Gospel of Matthew, it is not an astronomer's business to know from the stars those who are born, but to tell the future from the hour of a man's birth. Whereas the Magi did not know the time of the birth, so as to conclude therefrom some knowledge of the future. Rather, it was the other way about. Reply to Objection 4 Chrysostom relates, in the same homily on the Gospel of Matthew, that, according to some apocryphal books, a certain tribe in the far east near the ocean was in the possession of a document written by Seth, referring to this star and to the presents to be offered, which tribe watched attentively for the rising of this star, twelve men being appointed to take observations, who at stated times repaired to the summit of a mountain with faithful assiduity. Whence they subsequently perceived the star containing the figure of a small child, and above it the form of a cross. Or we may say, as may be read in the book of Questions on the Old and New Testament, question 63, that these magi followed the tradition of Balaam, who said, A star shall rise out of Jacob. Wherefore, observing this star to be a stranger to the system of this world, they gathered that it was the one foretold by Balaam to indicate the king of the Jews. Or again, it may be said with Augustine, in a sermon on the Epiphany, that the Magi had received a revelation through the angels that the star was a sign of the birth of Christ, and he thinks it probable that these were good angels, since in adoring Christ they were seeking for salvation. Or with Pope Leo, also in a sermon on the Epiphany, that, besides the outward form which aroused the attention of their corporeal eyes, a more brilliant ray enlightened their minds with the light of faith. Sixth Article Whether Christ's Birth Was Made Known in a Becoming Order Objection 1. It would seem that Christ's birth was made known in an unbecoming order. For Christ's birth should have been made known to them first, who were nearest to Christ, and who longed for him most according to Wisdom 6.14. She preventeth them that covet her, so that she first showeth herself unto them. But the righteous were nearest to Christ by faith, and longed most for his coming. Whence it is written in Luke 2.25 of Simeon that he was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Therefore, Christ's birth should have been made known to Simeon before the shepherds and magi. Objection to further. The magi were the first fruits of the Gentiles who were to believe in Christ. But the fullness of the Gentiles come in unto faith, and afterwards all Israel shall be saved, as it is written in Romans 11.25. Therefore, Christ's birth should have been made known to the magi before the shepherds. Objection 3 further. It is written in Matthew 2.16 that Herod killed all the male children that were in Bethlehem, and in all the borders thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired from the wise men. So that it seems that the Magi were two years in coming to Christ after his birth. It was therefore unbecoming that Christ should be made known to the Gentiles so long after his birth. 
On the contrary, it is written in Daniel 2.21, He changes time and ages. Consequently, the time of the manifestation of Christ's birth seems to have been arranged in a suitable order. I answer that, Christ's birth was first made known to the shepherds on the very day that he was born. For, as it is written in Luke 2, verses 8, 15, and 16, there were in the same country shepherds watching and keeping the night watches over their flock. And it came to pass, after the angels departed from them into the heavens, they said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem. And they came with haste. Second in order were the Magi, who came to Christ on the thirteenth day after his birth, on which day is kept the Feast of the Epiphany. For if they had come after a year, or even two years, they would not have found him in Bethlehem, since it is written in Luke 2.39 that, After they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, that is to say, after they had offered up the child Jesus in the temple, they returned into Galilee to their city, namely Nazareth. In the third place, he was made known in the temple to the righteous on the fortieth day after his birth, as related by Luke in chapter 2, verse 22. The reason of this order is that the shepherds represent the apostles and other believers of the Jews to whom the faith of Christ was made known first, among whom there were not many mighty, not many noble, as we read in 1 Corinthians one twenty-six. Secondly, the faith of Christ came to the fullness of the Gentiles, and this is foreshadowed in the Magi. Thirdly, it came to the fullness of the Jews, which is foreshadowed in the righteous. Wherefore also Christ was manifested to them in the Jewish temple. Reply to Objection 1 As the Apostle says in Romans 9, verses 30 and 31, Israel, by following after the law of justice, is not come unto the law of justice, but the Gentiles, who followed not after justice, forestalled the generality of the Jews in the justice which is of faith. As a figure of this, Simeon, who was waiting for the consolation of Israel, was the last to know Christ born, and he was preceded by the Magi and the shepherds, who did not await the coming of Christ with such longing. Reply to Objection 2. Although the fullness of the Gentiles came in unto faith before the fullness of the Jews, yet the firstfruits of the Jews preceded the firstfruits of the Gentiles in faith. For this reason the birth of Christ was made known to the shepherds before the Magi. Reply to Objection 3. There are two opinions about the apparition of the star seen by the Magi. For Chrysostom and Augustine, in a sermon on the Epiphany, say that the star was seen by the Magi during the two years that preceded the birth of Christ, and then, having first considered the matter and prepared themselves for the journey, they came from the farthest east to Christ, arriving on the thirteenth day after his birth. Wherefore Herod, immediately after the departure of the Magi, perceiving that he was deluded by them, commanded the male children to be killed from two years old and under, being doubtful, lest Christ were already born when the star appeared, according as he had heard from the Magi. 
but others say that the star first appeared when Christ was born, and that the Magi set off as soon as they saw the star, and accomplished a journey of very great length in thirteen days, owing partly to the divine assistance, and partly to the fleetness of the dromedaries. And I say this on the supposition that they came from the far east. But others again say that they came from a neighboring country, whence also was Balaam, to whose teaching they were heirs, and they are said to have come from the east, because their country was to the east of the country of the Jews. In this case, Herod killed the babes not as soon as the Magi departed, but two years after, and that either because he is said to have gone to Rome in the meanwhile on account of an accusation brought against him, or because he was troubled at some imminent peril, and for the time being desisted from his anxiety to slay the child, or because he may have thought that the Magi, being deceived by the illusory appearance of the star, and not finding the child as they had expected to, were ashamed to return to him. As Augustine says in On the Consensus of the Evangelists, too. And the reason why he killed not only those who were two years old, but also the younger children would be, as Augustine says in a sermon on the innocents, because he feared lest a child whom the stars obey might make himself appear older or younger. Seventh Article Whether the star which appeared to the Magi belonged to the heavenly system. Objection 1. It would seem that the star which appeared to the Magi belonged to the heavenly system. For Augustine says in a sermon on the Epiphany, While God yet clings to the breast, and suffers himself to be wrapped in humble swaddling clothes, suddenly a new star shines forth in the heavens. Therefore, the star which appeared to the Magi belonged to the heavenly system. Objection to further. Augustine says in a sermon on the Epiphany, Christ was made known to the shepherds by angels, to the Magi by a star. A heavenly tongue speaks to both, because the tongue of the prophets spoke no longer. But the angels who appeared to the shepherds were really angels from heaven. Therefore, also the star which appeared to the Magi was really a star from the heavens. Objection 3 further. Stars which are not in the heavens but in the air are called comets, which do not appear at the birth of kings, but rather are signs of their approaching death. But this star was a sign of the king's birth. Wherefore the Magi said in Matthew 2, 2, Where is he that is born of the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east. Therefore it seems that it was a star from the heavens. On the contrary, Augustine says in Against Faustus 2, it was not one of those stars which since the beginning of the creation observe the course appointed to them by the Creator. But this star was a stranger to the heavens, and made its appearance at the strange sight of a virgin in childbirth. I answer that, as Chrysostom says, it is clear for many reasons that the star which appeared to the Magi did not belong to the heavenly system. First, because no other star approaches from the same quarter as this star, whose course was from north to south, these being the relative positions of Persia, whence the Magi came, and Judea. Secondly, 
from the time at which it was seen, for it appeared not only at night, but also at midday, and no star can do this, not even the moon. Thirdly, because it was visible at one time and hidden at another, for when they entered Jerusalem it hid itself, then, when they had left Herod, it showed itself again. Fourthly, because its movement was not continuous, but when the Magi had to continue the journey, the star moved on, when they had to stop, the star stood still, as happened to the pillar of a cloud in the desert. Fifthly, because it indicated the virginal birth, not by remaining aloft, but by coming down below. For it is written in Matthew 2.9 that the star which they had seen in the east went before them until it came and stood over where the child was. Whence it is evident that the words of the Magi, we have seen his star in the east, are to be taken as meaning not that when they were in the east the star appeared over the country of Judea, but that when they saw the star it was in the east and that it preceded them into Judea, although this is considered doubtful by some. But it could not have indicated the house distinctly unless it were near the earth, and as Chrysostom observes, this does not seem fitting to a star, but of some power endowed with reason. Consequently, it seems that this was some invisible force made visible under the form of a star. Wherefore some say that, as the Holy Ghost, after our Lord's baptism, came down on him under the form of a dove, so did he appear to the Magi under the form of a star. While others say that the angel who, under a human form, appeared to the shepherds under the form of a star, appeared to the Magi. But it seems more probable that it was a newly created star, not in the heavens, but in the air near the earth, and that its movement varied according to God's will. Wherefore Pope Leo says in a sermon on the Epiphany, A star of unusual brightness appeared to the three magi in the east, which, through being more brilliant and more beautiful than the other stars, drew men's gaze and attention, so that they understood at once that such an unwanted event could not be devoid of purpose. Reply to Objection 1 in Holy Scripture the air is sometimes called the heavens, for instance, the birds of the heavens and the fishes of the sea. Reply to Objection 2. The angels of heaven, by reason of their very office, come down to us being sent to minister. But the stars of heavens do not change their position. Wherefore, there is no comparison. Reply to Objection 3. As the star did not follow the course of the heavenly stars, so neither did it follow the course of the comets, which neither appear during the daytime nor vary their customary course. Nevertheless, in its signification it has something in common with the comets, because the heavenly kingdom of Christ shall break in pieces and shall consume all the kingdoms of the earth, and itself shall stand forever, according to Daniel 2.44. Eighth article. Whether it was becoming that the Magi should come to adore Christ and pay homage to him. Objection 1. 
it would seem that it was unbecoming that the Magi should come to adore Christ and pay homage to him. For reverence is due to a king from his subjects. But the Magi did not belong to the kingdom of the Jews. Therefore, since they knew by seeing the star that he was born the king of the Jews, it seems unbecoming that they should come to adore him. Objection to further. It seems absurd, during the reign of one king, to proclaim a stranger. But in Judea, Herod was reigning. Therefore it was foolish of the Magi to proclaim the birth of a king. Objection 3 further. A heavenly sign is more certain than a human sign. But the Magi had come to Judea from the east, under the guidance of a heavenly sign. Therefore it was foolish of them to seek human guidance besides that of the star, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Objection for further. The offering of gifts and the homage of adoration are not due save to kings already reigning. But the Magi did not find Christ resplendent with kingly grandeur. Therefore it was unbecoming for them to offer him gifts and homage. On the contrary, it is written in Isaiah 60, verse 3, The Gentiles shall walk in the light, and kings in the brightness of thy rising. But those who walk in the divine light do not err. Therefore, the Magi were right in offering homage to Christ. I answer that, as stated above in Article 3, First Reply, the Magi are the first fruits of the Gentiles that believed in Christ, because their faith was a presage of the faith and devotion of the nations who were to come to Christ from afar. And therefore, as the devotion and faith of the nations is without any error through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, so also we must believe that the Magi, inspired by the Holy Ghost, did wisely in paying homage to Christ. Reply to Objection 1. As Augustine says in a sermon on the Epiphany, Though many kings of the Jews had been born and died, none of them did the Magi seek to adore. And so they who came from a distant foreign land to a kingdom that was entirely strange to them had no idea of showing such great homage to such a king as the Jews were wont to have. But they had learnt that such a king was born, that by adoring him they might be sure of obtaining from him the salvation which is from God. Reply to Objection 2 By proclaiming Christ King, the Magi foreshadowed the constancy of the Gentiles in confessing Christ even until death. Whence Chrysostom says, in a homily on the Gospel of Matthew, that while they thought of the King who was to come, the Magi feared not the King who was actually present. They had not yet seen Christ, and they were already prepared to die for him. Reply to Objection 3 As Augustine says in a sermon on the Epiphany, the star which led the Magi to the place where the divine infant was with his virgin mother could bring them to the town of Bethlehem in which Christ was born. Yet it hid itself until the Jews also bore testimony of the city in which Christ was to be born, so that, being encouraged by a twofold witness, as Pope Leo says, 
they might seek with more ardent faith in him, whom both the brightness of the star and the authority of prophecy revealed. Thus they proclaim that Christ is born, and inquire where, they believe and ask, as it were, betokening those who walk by faith and desire to see, as Augustine also says. But the Jews, by indicating to them the place of Christ's birth, are like the carpenters who built the Ark of Noah, who provided others with the means of escape, and themselves perished in the flood. Those who asked, heard, and went their way, the teacher spoke and stayed where they were, like the milestones that point out the way but walk not. It was also by God's will that, when they no longer saw the star, the Magi, by human instinct, went to Jerusalem to seek in the royal city the newborn king, in order that Christ's birth might be publicly proclaimed first in Jerusalem, according to Isaiah 2.3, The law shall come forth from Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And also, in order that by the zeal of the Magi who came from afar, the indolence of the Jews who lived near at hand might be proved worthy of condemnation, as Remigius states in a homily on the Gospel of Matthew. Reply to Objection 4 As Chrysostom says, if the Magi had come in search of an earthly king, they would have been disconcerted at finding that they had taken the trouble to come such a long way from nothing. Consequently, they would have neither adored nor offered gifts. But since they sought a heavenly king, though they found in him no signs of royal preeminence, yet content with the testimony of the star alone, they adored. For they saw a man, and they acknowledged God. Moreover, they offer gifts in keeping with Christ's greatness. Gold, as to the great king, they offered up incense as to God, because it is used in the divine sacrifice. And myrrh, which is used in embalming the bodies of the dead, is offered as to him who is to die for the salvation of all, as Gregory states in a homily. And hereby, as Gregory says again, we are taught to offer gold, which signifies wisdom to the newborn king, by the luster of our own wisdom in his sight we offer God incense, which signifies fervor in prayer if our constant prayers mount up to God with an odor of sweetness. And we offer myrrh, which signifies mortification of the flesh if we mortify the ill deeds of the flesh by refraining from them. End of question 36 Read by Michael Shane Craig Lambert, L.C.